cat on my book, so I don't think we can record the episode now. Alright, well, we'll see you next time when we cover chapter 13. No, nope. this is Harry Potter. Nope, this isn't Harry Potter. This is basic snitches. <laughs> yep, this is so a live is, reading of Harry Potter. This is an enhancement of Harry Potter. Yes, this is I an said enhancement. What I said. We enhanced it. We did. We made things way more true. This is basic snitches. I'm Adam. I'm Tara. Tara's making a mess of my living room. No. She just dropped her coaster. I dropped her coaster. <laughs> as long as you don't. When you bent over to pick that up, the wine was right over the computer. I was like, don't you dare. My sweatshirt has wine on it now because I'm a crazy boy. I apologize for my child's actions. It's a, it's pink. It'll blend in. It's fine. And today we are discussing chapter 12, 12. of War and Peace. <laughs> A.K.A. A. Chapter 12 <laughs> of Harry Potter and... Don't make me say it. The Deathly Hollows. And the name of that chapter is Magic, Magic is, is Might. So before we jump into everything, we just want to take a moment to acknowledge our amazing patrons. You can also be an amazing patron. Starting at five dollars a month, we have two tiers: five and ten dollars. Get lots of extra BS from us because we are basic snitches. After I was all. just gonna say the BS stands for basic. <laughs> we don't make bullshit. We just make basic shit. Anyway. That could be a t-shirt. <laughs> one of the other perks of being one of our patrons is we will acknowledge you on every episode. So we do want to give a shout out to our amazing patrons right now. And they are Ashley, Brian, Brittany, Jen, Mary Beth, Megan, Nisi, Nicole, and Olivia. Thank you guys for supporting us and listening to our voices extra every week. If you want to hear us try to play some new games, there's a new one coming at you this week on the Patreon. And that is only for Patreons, so uh, sign up so you can hear us talk some more. Go Patreons. Yeah! Winner and loser of last chapter. And Dungus is the loser and Creature is the winner. Yes. I came uh, prepared today. Yes. I know that the whole chapter was really just about, like, Harry and Lupin having, like, their little argument, but then Mundungus Oh, yeah, existed, I forgot about that, too. But, like, Mundungus came back, Mundungus and I was like, exists. fuck that guy. <laughs> so he's got to yeah, lose. Yeah, like, Lupin would definitely have lost this if it weren't for Yeah, Mundungus, well, and it's, again, another moment to be reminded of where Creature is coming from, his whole trajectory, and it's just nice. Well, I wrote a thing. You did. Where did I put my fucking thing? It's right like next there to my by ass. your hands. <laughs> you were like, it's by my ass. I'm like, yep, your hand's also there too. You could have just picked it up, but nope, it's by your ass. Fine, you win. <laughs> Sorry, friends. Are we recording? Oh, yeah. You're like, I'm looking at your one note. Yeah, recording. Good. See, it's, it's happening. <laughs> okay. Take it away. Chapter 12 Magic is Might. A couple of months later, the trio is still evading Death Eaters at Grimwald Place. So, correction, the trio doesn't spend this whole book in the Forest of Dean. They spend it at Grimwald Place. Just kidding. Also, it's actually done a bit of good. Creature is an entirely new elf, and the place is spotless. Harry returns with the Daily Prophet, bringing the news that Snape is now the headmaster at Hogwarts, and the Caros are filling the Muggle Studies and Data Professor roles. How fitting! Hermione has the forethought to remove Phineas Nigellus from the wall in order to to ensure he can't spill secrets to Snape. They go back to very elaborate planning, which is fantastic, but Harry pushes them to act and go to the Ministry tomorrow. Hermione in particular has reservations, but I think this is the push they need to combat the stagnation. Amid this though, Harry has a vision again, this time of poking baby going after a German family 
Presumably Grigorovich's family. Once Harry comes out of his vision, he sort of gets scolded again. Is Riley ever going to not give him side eye when this happens for the rest of the book before the Horcrux is killed? Is she ever going to realize that perhaps this is beyond any information that she will be aware of? We will see. The next day, they're off to enact their plan. When we see Hermione's brilliance shine in the shadow of recruitment, they show up on time, knock out ministry worker Mafalda Hopkirk, known for her misleading howler from book five, to which Hermione dunks her hair into a fresh brew of Polyjuice Potion, which shows that the last two months have been well spent. She then uses Skybeat snack boxes to lure two male ministry workers, Reg Cattermull and Albert Rankern, so the boys have people to transform into. They flush themselves down the toilets and they're in. Amenities include a horrifying statue that shows exactly where the ministry stands, Reg slash Ron being chastised by an outwardly racist Yaxley whose office is being rained on, to which Hermione gives multiple solutions for. We learn that Reg's wife Mary is being interrogated as Muggleborn, and then Albert slash Harry gets praised for leading Dirk Cresswell to his death. Charming. Love what they did with that place. Lastly, the elevator stops at level one where they see the pink bitch in all her glory. It's go time. Tis. Tis. Tis go time. So actually, the Apologist Potion, I'm pretty sure it came from Moody's stock. Oh, well, so they didn't have I to... I don't think that they made it. Wow, so he had like a whole fucking stock of yeah. stuff? Just I, chilling at Grimmel Place? Well, I think that Hermione took it from... I have no idea how it got to Hermione, now that I'm thinking about it. Because she says... Later on, she'd taken this whole stock. She said it earlier, but I was assuming she took it at the borough, but how could she do that? Because he died and yeah. Mundungus didn't go to the borough. So we're sure that they didn't make it? Yeah, she flat out says later on or at some point in the book oh, that, okay. that they took. So maybe it was at Grimmel Place or maybe... Maybe they maybe were like, here's some extra when they left... I don't know, maybe Horse Poopy didn't think about it. It's interesting, because I was at the very least like, wow, two months have passed pretty much now. Like, it was just Harry's birthday, and now here we are, people are returning to Hogwarts. Also, that made me think immediately, like, oh, people are returning to Hogwarts now. It shows the flaw in timing in the movie, because we've already seen people going back to Hogwarts, obviously. Right. That's neither here nor there, and not that time of the episode. So, here we are at the beginning. Can we talk about how domestic the beginning of this chapter is? Yes, 100%. I fucking love it. It makes me smile. Well, speaking of time well spent, if they aren't making pallet juice potion, they're cleaning the kitchen. Right. Because I don't necessarily... Well, and that could have been all creature, because he is completely different. He's fluffy now. Yeah, he has been treated well by wizards who are not also evil. How is he fluffy? Every single house elf we see is a scrotum. Now, I haven't seen many scrotums in my life, I will admit. But all the other house elves have shitty masters, and Harry is like being nice to him, and also probably isn't treating it. You know, so when like, you treat your house elf nice, they go from a sphinx to a Persian. Apparently, that's apparently what we're learning here. So, but I fucking love it. We get some really brilliant, lovely things in some of these chapters that we have. This first part of this chapter, though, is it's just very domestic. My big problem is that I want to kind of sit in that space a little bit more now. Who, no one wants to read a book where. They're just, you know, chilling and doing domestic shit at Grimmauld Place. But you also want to know that that is happening, and it's nice to know that it's been a couple of months of this, 
And that, of course, they've done their research. Yeah. Like, more than anything. Harry comes back and he's got a newspaper and dinner's on the stove and everything's It's clean. very cozy. It's lovely. You know, I was just talking about how today feels like the first day of autumn because yesterday I went on a hike and I was wearing a t-shirt and my capris. And today it's been in the 50s all day and it's chilly. I'm wearing my booties. Yeah, I'm really fucking jealous of those, by the way. I was like, look at those. I honestly was I had like, brought slippers to your house before, though. So. Yes. I was going to wear slippers all day, and then I remember I had these, and these, I find these a lot more comfortable. But And, like, I've been waiting for this time. I've fucking been waiting for fall, and, like, they're a little bit before. They're, like, a month prior to where we are now, but it's still very, very cozy and lovely. And the fact that they've been doing, like, a lot of planning, like, meticulous planning in fact, and I want to say this now because they say it both in the movie and in the book, but there are times where they're like, maybe we should like come back later. But honestly, this is a lesson in trusting themselves. And some of it was like coincidence as we get through this chapter and the next chapter, but everything goes perfectly. Honestly, I don't think that they could have asked for it to go any more perfect than it did, all things considered. I agree. And here's the thing is like, it starts off and you're like, all right, like it's we're working. Ready. Like, yeah, it's going okay. You definitely get that it's going okay feeling. But we do get Harry being like, let's just do it tomorrow. And everyone be like, hold on, what? And like, I really appreciate Harry saying that because we talk about a lot of classifications. We talked about Enneagram. The fact that I had just recorded with you guys on yeah. Podcast in Death and you mentioned Enneagrams and how apparently I have the same Enneagram as both Eve and Rourke, which if you want to see how I felt about that, go listen to Tara's other podcast. Yeah. And Jen. And Jen. Jen is a Quen and AJ, of course. AJ's not a Quen yet. I mean, she's a Quen in spirit, but she's not a Quen officially in her <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Wait, did we say that you guys were Enneagram 5 or 8? Eight? 8. I'm an 8. And I think I think AJ's a 5. You're a 9. I'm a 9. But, why did I bring up your Enneagram? Oh, DISC. I was going to talk about DISC. And I'm a D. I'm also very an analytical person, of course, which would be a C, but... I'm very much, like, results-oriented. I like making quick decisions, and that's what he does here. And I think part of it is, yes, he understands that they've done all this preparation, but the other part of it is that he just had another vision, raven Simone style and saw Voldemort basically kill this German family. Allegedly. I mean, it cuts off at a certain point. And this whole thing with Hermione, I'm so proud of Harry in this moment because he also stands up to Hermione. I like being reminded that these are kids who just inherently just want to trust that what an adult said was the thing to do and the smart thing to do. And Hermione is definitely coming from a good place there. Mm -hmm. Like Dumbledore wanted Harry to do occlumency and be good at it. And Hermione obviously is like trusting so much in that because that's just how she works. Obviously that whole thing ended poorly in year five. We understand why she's coming from that place. But, like, it's also just very frustrating because we see now how Harry can use this to his advantage when he says, would you like it? You know, because she was like, like, she says something along the lines Do you of want like, it to Do you want this? And, and Harry's like, what, would you want that? Yeah. I don't even feel like Harry even says it combatively. I feel like he's just like... He's sticking up for himself. He kind of like gives her the space to think about what she says. She's obviously not intending to be unkind. And she's doing what Hermione does. And she's going by the book. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because if we take it back a step in the last book, she's very by the book. She was very irritated that Harry was getting all this praise for not going, quote unquote, by the book. Yeah. So here they are. They're doing their best to be very A-type and plan this out and stuff. And then this happens. And once again, it's a by the book answer. 
This is what Dumbledore said. Snape was trying to teach you occupancy. You need to shut your brain off. And he combats her, and it's almost like a little bit of a turning point, too, because I think he gets across to Hermione. Obviously, you have the book in front of you like you always do, but there's, I think, language in there along the lines of, this isn't what we think it is at this point. Part of it is that, like you had said, I don't like this. If I could turn it off, I would turn it off. Sort of that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, he basically just indicates that. He doesn't necessarily say that. There's a lot on him, of course, in this whole process. If you think back to the fifth book, he does try, and it doesn't work. Because that's not what it is. That's what we talked about in the fifth book. Because that's not what it is. Yeah. It's not just that Voldemort's a Legilimens. Yes. So I think that saying these things that I, honestly, I would go so far to even say is a little bit overdue, in my opinion, that he, like, sticks up for himself, is also kind of showing, you know what, we're not in school anymore. We can do our best to prepare, but I, it's about go time. So there's like kind of a nice theme in this conversation. I have a lot of feelings about Ron that will come in and out of this book especially. Harry and Hermione, the way that they navigate their relationship. Now, Harry will be childish about shit and just be like, I'm annoyed with Hermione because she doesn't agree with me or whatever. But like ultimately, their friendship and the way that they navigate this whole process together is what I know everyone is like. Hermione is like 99% of their power. Sure, we can talk about the fact that Hermione is emotionally intelligent and does all this prep and absolutely this wouldn't have happened without her but like she couldn't have done it without harry yeah that is the point of it that's the point of having them their friendship highlighted so much in this book but these are the kind of conversations that adults have and hermione has to be told the option of doing occlumency is not there yeah so let's use this to our advantage Harry needs to con- be continually challenged, and Hermione is going to do that. She's going to at least push into a place where he would say these things. You're kind of wrong, Hermione, but at the same time, like, that is an interaction that was necessary. Mm-hmm. I do want to touch on one other thing that you said. I think that you were making, like, a general, like, some things that people say online sort of comment where Hermione is 99% of the thing. Oh, because yeah. Because you totally are right that, like, Hermione couldn't do this without the Harry, etc. What I say to people who like to make those kind of broad statements of, like, oh, they couldn't have done this without Hermione, etc. They couldn't they, have, but they couldn't that's have. the whole fucking point of a series about friends. But also, like, if that was the case, that was the reality, how fucking boring would that have been? Like, we talk all the time about how these characters are so robust and flawed and things like that. If Hermione was perfect and was able to do everything they would have found all the horcruxes by this point and we'd be at the battle of hogwarts in the next chapter you right. know what i mean it would like, be a much shorter book so and the fact that she is still like a young woman and she is trying to learn and like adapt and mm-hmm. she's going off into the quote-unquote real world under circumstances that she probably did not expect no no so, not at all this will happen throughout the rest of the book too that is where I tend to even remind myself to give Ron some slack. Yeah. It's because these are children. Two out of these three children have lived in pretty ideal circumstances their entire lives. Right. But we appreciate Hermione challenging Harry, but we love that Harry stood up for himself. The only other thing that I do want to bring up, of course, is that Snape is headmaster. Now, of course, this is the first time I've reread that since finishing yeah. the thing. And I'm like, well, as a rereader, that's not the worst thing in the fucking world. Of course, to them it is. Right. But this is one of those nuances of coming back where, like, now ultimately, and I mean, especially us who have talked about this constantly in a special episode on Snape, that was one of those, like, cheeky little things as the reader this time where it was like, oh, like, they think this is a bad thing. But I know we just kind of, like, talked about Hermione and her, like, humanity. 
But then the fact that she has that forethought to go immediately. Oh, immediately. I'm like, holy shit, that is so fucking smart. But let's take a step back and think about, okay, but, like, Snape can talk to Dumbledore, who's in that office, which is, like, of course, the secret little thing that they have. Yeah. But they don't know that and they don't think about that. And, or, the, like, the nuances of, like... Dumbledore, if it was that, like, Snape maliciously killed Dumbledore, Dumbledore could, like, you know, antagonize him the most he could. Oh, <laughs> you know well, I'm I mean? sure Dumbledore antagonizes him anyway, because Dumbledore's a pain in the ass. He probably, like, talks to Snape while he's trying to work. He's probably like, hey. Probably. What's up? You know? Or corrects him on things. Right. One thing I thought about when I read this this time around was I was... While you're doing this, can I open another bottle of wine? Uh, Always. When I read this this time around and I read the article about Snape becoming headmaster, and I know y'all know that I don't actually like Snape, but I'm also just relieved to be reminded that Snape is in that position because we know that Snape is a double agent. Then you hear that the fucking Caros are there and you're like, those guys are shitty. The three of them talk about how like McGonagall and Flitwick and Sprout, that is Adam opening wine. Thank you for explaining it, because I was like, oh, that's <laughs> The squeaky. Um, they're already having the conversation of the professors there to protect the children, and it's really nice because as a reader, as someone who knows, you know that Snape is also protecting the children. Right. Even though at this point they're like, fucking great, Snape. The worst thing in this situation is that the Karos are there, and that one of them mm-hmm. is in muggle studies. Like, that's laughable. That's some, like... Republican appointee shit. I'm peeing in a glass again. Would you <laughs> like me to pee say? in your glass? I want to finish drinking this first. What does it say? It says, wine so delicately pulls from us of the stories we hadn't planned to tell. If you drink... I have you... no idea what you just said, but okay. It means if you drink wine, then you got loose lips. North lips, not the southern lips, but probably southern lips as well. Jesus... Pointing some dumb bitch who ain't never read a book to the Department of Education, you know? I mean, we all knew that these are the Republicans, right? The Death Eaters. You can see it in their really poor attempts at anything these days, so. Just like this book ends, the Democrats win. (laughs) If only we could be assured that that would be real life. Karma's a coming. Oh, I do want to talk about the other reason why it's really great that Harry is just like, let's just fucking go. Because everyone is too fucking stressed about it. Because Ron says, Dad always told us ministry people use the flu network. And then he says, people from Magical Maintenance wears navy blue or whatever. And Hermione's like, you never told us that. She's very clearly stressed about this. And the fact that they fight over this is probably another reason that Harry is like, you know what? Let's just go. Absolutely. And I think there was something that he said is like, you know what? We continue to plan for a month and we waste more time. No time like the present. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I like that because there are some little nuances in there. Well, especially because it sounds like they didn't think about anything beyond getting there. So what was the next month going to do? Because they're still working on this. Exactly. God bless them. In a way, it's tough to say this as a planner, but like whether you're planning a party, an event, or a show. This has happened a million times. You can be as prepared as you want sometimes, but sometimes things are going to go the way they go. And yeah. you can't, like, control it, you know? So they apparate off that well, step. Yeah. Well, no, one more thing I wanted to say about oh, okay. cause you, what you just said. Like, they are only working with the information that they have. They have no idea. They don't work in the ministry. Mm-hmm. 
Hermione's been to the Ministry once, and that was, you know, to, like, try to save Sirius. Harry was told he couldn't go back to fucking school, and then also to save Sirius. And, like, Ron came with his dad all that time, so he only knows what his dad does. Like, these kids, I know they've been spying for a month, but, like, they have very, very little knowledge. They're really only working with what they have, so what could they have planned when they got inside anyway? I guess. I also want to give them credit, because, I mean, all that Well, that's what I'm saying, is I want to give them all that credit, because what else would they have? Like, in a way, Harry's trip during that, like, little infraction or whatever with Mathilda Hopkirk, ironically. Right. It was a benefit to him. He at least learned something. He learned a little bit of the map of the ministry and stuff. I think they did a great job, all things considered, and I think that it's a great idea to leave. Now, of course, once they get there, things are quite different than they are in the movie, which we'll get to when we get to the movie as well. But it starts with Hermione, I think, stupefying Mathilda. Mathilda? Yeah. Sorry. I always call her Mathilda. Mathilda? Mathilda, Mathilda. I think it's Mathilda Hopkirk. I think you're probably right. I'm going to continue calling her Mathilda, though. Okay. So. That's not going to be confusing at all. She. Yeah, because there's also a Mathilda in this chapter. (laughs) (laughs) She stupefies her or something. So they clearly were like, this is the bitch we're going to get. This is the one that we have been watching. Because for the other two, it seems like they're like, let's just find two people and happen to use the skiving snack box on them. Mafalda, they've been following, and I believe Reg as well, because they were like, we'll be late for magical maintenance. Whatever. So they clearly ah. had been keeping an eye on this guy a little bit too. So it was only like, okay, let's go. So Rancorn, I think, is the only, yeah, I think Rancorn is the only one that they just like were like, well, we need the third person. It's so funny because those two people are so instrumental on this particular day. Right? Like, so instrumental. Like, to the point where when we were watching the movie, I was like, it's funny knowing who these three characters are that these just happen to be who they choose. But the two that they happen to pick are just instrumental. And then the one that Harry has, the third, I imagine what they were saying is like, let's focus on two people. It's easier to pick two people mm-hmm. and then just know that the third one is going to be a rando. Even Her, then, they don't know who they know in the ministry. Exactly. They just they just know them by sight and who they're following. And yeah. I imagine the people who Ron and Hermione choose, for a lack of a better word, that is better encompassing of both of them. Both of them are kind of mousy. So I think they probably were like, they maybe look a little bit more easier to Yeah, because I think that they thought that they were just going to go in and try to blend in. (laughs) Listen, magical maintenance, listen. Okay, like real life maintenance teams, those fuckers can go anywhere. Honestly, Harry should have been the magical maintenance guy because I think he would have more balls to just, like, fucking put himself wherever. Yeah. Obviously, that's not how it worked. Poor Reg was dealing with some shit that day. But, like, your maintenance, you can go any fucking where and you can get shit done. And, like, you have an excuse, but that is not Ron's personality. Well, and I think that they chose also Mathilda because they knew that he had to get close to Umbridge and she's a little bit more of, like, an office-y kind of person. Yeah, it seems like she's, like, some sort of, like, administrative assistant type person. Yeah. Now for it to be the actual person who's going to be in the room when they're doing the interrogations like they picked pretty fucking well well because she just happened to be there that's Umbridge true. was like oh oh you're the person that's gonna You'll do like, fine yeah. or whatever in yeah. the movie it actually makes it seem like Mathalda whatever the fuck her name is is actually the person the who, person that Umbridge yeah. works with and then, of course, they happen to also choose Albert Runcorn, who we learn kind of sold off. What What's the guy's name? Dirk, Dirk Criswell. Yeah. And potentially also even the Cattermoles, in a way. Yeah. It sounds like he's just been being really, really Yeah, you really find shady. out in the next chapter. 
This guy is probably like some slimy like middle management dude. He's in a pretty comfortable place, but he probably doesn't do jack shit. That's what I have yeah. assumed Rankern is. He's probably from some rich pureblood family. Started working in the industry around at Hogwarts and like 20 years later, he's just there. He probably has moved up a little bit. He seems important enough. Right, but he's never going to be like anything exciting. So making assumptions about people that we know fucking nothing about. But I think fine. you're sort of right. Because it's <laughs> funny because the movie, like you had said, it shows to include that actor in the like cut scene when Boy George came in. Oh yeah. He was there and it's like, oh, it almost made it seem like Albert and Umbridge were working together where of course we realized that that's not really the case either. Right. So so they happen to get these two folks, the real Albert and Reg go home. Poor Mathalda is in the recycling She's taking bin area, a little nap. I assume. Yes, taking a nappy. They flush themselves down the toilet, which of course, it's a fun little way to get to the Ministry of Magic, That's of course. a terrible idea. When we were watching the movie, movie, I was like, what if somebody poops in one of those toilets? Does the poop come out of the fireplace? That's very inconvenient. Yeah. What if somebody really, really has to like pee really bad? Drink too much coffee on the commute in and they have to go in there. I mean, the answer probably is they see that type of line, especially in the men's toilets at that hour of the day, and they're like, nah. I'm good. That's probably the answer. That's what I would do. (laughs) Be like, I will pee somewhere else. Thank you. They flush themselves down the toilets. Very non-hygienic. I wonder what... Listen, the infection preventionist at the Ministry of Magic could be like, could we maybe come up with a better idea? Get Ashley in here for an episode (laughs) to talk about the issues with... I mean, we could talk about the issues of the Ministry of Magic for the rest of the podcast forever. That's a fun place to start. I can't stop bringing up the movie because I just love these particular three, but even the way that they're walking and stuff, you can tell that they're very, like, tentative and they're not in character, you know? You can tell that they're terrified. But very quickly, you know, even as they're making their way to the elevators, they get derailed by Yaxley. Fucking Yaxley. He's like, you need to go make it not rain in my office. Mm -hmm. And then this is where we find out that Reg, who Ron is currently being right now, didn't wear his uniform today because... Because his wife is being interrogated over her blood status, and that would be why he was not going to actually work. He was going to be with her, and that was why he was so adamant about coming to work. So, hey, once again, I've said that Harry has good intuition, despite being bad at divination. Maybe he knew, maybe he knew that, like, this would be, like, the perfect day for them to use that particular man. It's a rough go for Reg. Ron is the first one to kind of break off the group because he has to go do magic he is totally not capable of doing. We also need to point out And actually, I guess the other one happens in the beginning of the next chapter with pious thickness. But Yeah, the next chapter. Yaxley and like the hatred that is spewing out of his mouth and the way that they are saying the things out loud. Like when you say in that stuff and people start noticing it, like that's where you have a problem. Now of course here it just shows how corrupt the fucking ministry is. He goes but if my wife were accused of being a mudblood, not that any woman I married would ever be mistaken for such filth. And the head of the Department of Magic will law enforcement need a job doing it. I would make it a priority to do that job. Do you understand me? 
Who's working at HR at the Ministry of Magic? The Ministry of Magic clearly does not have a fucking HR, obviously. Well, who handles all their payroll? Right. Like, did they have to get rid of everybody who believes in DEI at the Ministry of Magic? They clearly did not believe in DEI at the Ministry of Magic. And the most evil benefits administrator they possibly could. Like, like equity is not a thing No one whatsoever. But it it feels like for HR, that tends to be something that's very baked in. Like, if you're going to do HR, and people got to get paid, so... Even, like, the payroll people tend to, like, really believe in those types of values. But, whatever. Ron has to go do that. I love that Hermione, like, tries to give him things to do. Like, also, when oh, Ron is like, what am I going to do with my wife? I mean... <laughs> I know. Like, it shows how empathetic he is. Ron is exceptionally empathetic when he isn't trying to handle his own shit, which oh, is important. Yeah, I was going to say he's a big softie when he isn't start trying not be a big softie. I guess. Or, like, sometimes he's just a big dum-dum. I mean, yeah, like, instinctually, a though, dummy like... A dummy dum-dum. He is a dummy dum-dum. That's a nice callback. <laughs> he's instinctually empathetic, I mm. think, in many cases. But I liked that, and I like Hermione being like, do this, try this, whatever. Mm. Hermione and Harry continue so, up. that's the first one. Maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I feel like... They were like, let's stick together. And then immediately Ron is pulled away. I don't know if that necessarily happens. But regardless, now it's just two of them. And then at the very end of the chapter, we find out why it's about to be one. Because guess who it is? Literally the fucking doors open and there's the bitch. It's so funny because they're clearly like, we have no idea where the fuck she is. And it happens, and like, almost she's immediately. Right fucking there. Literally, the last two paragraphs of the chapter are, like, Hermione gets Ron to leave the lift. Harry and Hermione are alone. And she's like, uh, I should actually go after him. I don't think he knows what he's doing. They stop level one, Minister of Magic and support staff. Golden grills slid apart again, and Hermione gasped. Four people stood in front of them. Two of them in deep conversation. A long wizard wearing magnificent robes of black and gold. And a squat, toad-like witch wearing a velvet bow and her short hair. Well, you found what you were looking for. We're gonna play Fuck Mary Kill. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Fuck Mary Kill. They're all like, meh. Okay, well, get me excited. Well, you know, that's how I feel about myself and the things I do. You okay. always say fuck when it comes to game. I'm always like, yay. So, the first Fuck Mary Kill are. Treats the creature makes Treats. <laughs> I don't know even know if I like remembered. So so the three things that creature makes for our trio are treacle tart, French onion soup, and stew. Oh my god, the treacle tart is dying. Okay. Same. I'm a pie bitch. Everyone knows this, but treacle is weird. Okay. It's like, I don't actually know what it's it like is. Syrupy, sugary, like gelatinous. a pecan pie or worse. I think worse. Okay, well, I say worse like I don't love pecan oh, pie. Oh, I, I, I would do. fuck up a pecan pie. Oh, yeah, give me the pecan pie. So is it like more or is gelatin? It pecan pie? It's pecan, I guess. A pecan is what you put under your grandma's bed. <laughs> what? So that she can pee in it. Oh my god. Because she can't make it to the bathroom because she has arthritis. I mean, I guess. Someone told me that once. I don't have a preference. Tomato, tomato, pecan, pecan. So then what else are you going to do with that French onion soup? I think I have to marry the French onion soup. If it's good French onion soup, if it's Julia Child (laughs) level French onion soup. But it's very hard because on a cold, like French onion soup or stew would be a great meal for today. I would marry the fuck out of stew, actually. I think I'm going to fuck the stew because it's meatier. Okay. 
Okay, okay. I'm gonna marry this dude and I'm gonna fuck the French onions. I so. respect it. Yeah. Uh, both of our answers are correct. Fuck That's triple right. tarts. <laughs> like, and by fuck it, we mean murder. There are so many other lovely tarts that you could have made. You're also a lovely tart, if you don't mind me saying. Thanks. So, I am a lovely tart. Is a tart... Like a slutty person? I think so. Okay. I'm not a slutty person. You're not really, but you're still a slutty person. But my name is Tara, and my name has auto-corrected sweet potato tart. Sweet potato tart. But my name has auto-corrected tart before. Next one is the different ways that they take out the people that they're portraying. So, Uh, what I want to happen to me. Is that what we're saying? Fuck, marry, kill. Being stupefied. Eating a nosebleed nougat. Or eating a puking pestilence. Well, I'm going to marry being super, because then I need to have a nice nap, and I yeah. could use one of those. Same. So I'm going to marry being Same. stupefied. Same. I'm, I'm a fuck nosebleed. Me too. Because I get nosebleeds all the time. Puking is the worst. It's the worst. It's the fucking worst. It's the fucking worst. I have had food poisoning a lot of times in my life. When you legitimately need to, like, throw up, like, your body is forcing you to throw up, it is one of the worst things fucking ever. Especially when it's like constant mm-hmm. like that, so that can mm-hmm. die. No, thank you. I get bloody noses all the time. Uh, yes, I'm afraid of blood for some reason. I'm not afraid of my own blood. But well, when I see somebody else get bloody, it makes it just my empathy, I guess. That's my empathy, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Next one are departments at the Ministry of Magic. I knew you were going to do something with the departments. When I saw because you quizzed me on them, I'm like, this is going to come up in Tara's game. I know it. But I don't remember what they are, so if it was a quiz, they would have failed. (laughs) (laughs) Despite knowing it. So the three apartments are the Goblin Liaison Office, the Pest Advisory Bureau, and the Department for the Regulation and Control of Magical Creatures. That one is getting married. Me too. That is broad enough. The other two, I'm kind of like, I don't really care about the goblins. I've had enough of goblins. Goblins are up in Hogwarts Legacy. I'm sick of it. I don't care about it. Like, I wish them equality, but I, fuck that department. I don't care. I don't want to work there. Past, I'm interested. I'm intrigued, so I will fuck it. I have the same answers. Do. The next one is ways to hopefully stop raining in the office. Okay. <laughs> so these are the is options. Is one of them an umbrella? <laughs> These are the options that Hermione gave Ron. Okay. Use Finita Incantatum. If that doesn't work, she says, try an atmospheric charm, which sounds very complicated. Uh-huh. Or just use Impervious to protect his belongings, which I believe Impervious, like... It's like a barrier. Yeah, it's like a barrier. So those are well, the three things she told Ron. if Finita Incantatum is the way to do it, I'm going I'm just going to go based on what Hermione's recommending. Yeah. The atmospheric charm... While it sounds complicated, it also has me more intrigued, I think. It sounds more interesting. You know, us gays like creating an environment, mm-hmm. and sometimes I like a rainy day. And so I could just be like, okay, okay. atmospheric charm, make it rain. If you ever learn how to do that, please teach Steve, because he yeah. loves rain. I can appreciate a rainy day. Okay. I can appreciate a sunny day, too. Driving in the rain is the worst. I agree. That's when you use an atmospheric charm. When it's, you're like, I'm not driving through this shit. Right. I think I'm going to actually kill the barrier charm, whatever okay. it is. Because I don't care about his belongings. If I were thinking about it from that standpoint, I would have the exact same answer. But I'm going to think about it just as, like, You're going to kill the atmospheric charm. I'm going to kill the atmospheric yes. charm. Because it sounds like a lot of work. But I'm going to marry Impervious, and I'm going to fuck Finita and Cantatum. Oh, why? Why are you marrying Well, because Finita and Cantatum has just always been a cool-sounding spell, and that sounds fun. <laughs> you have the sound of the spell. But also, we see the women use it a lot in the series, and that's badass as fuck. Badass. And I would, and I would like, fuck that. 
You want to be badass. Yeah. Well, also the like impervious. It seems very reliable. If all else fails or you don't feel confident. Oh, okay. I can appreciate that. That's know. a very Hufflepuff answer of you. Well, you know me. Almost a Hufflepuff. Okay, the last one is the people in this chapter we fucking want to murder, but okay, we can good. only choose one. The actually Umbridge Pious Thickness. Okay. Our Mary Pious Thickness. Because I feel like we hate him the least. <laughs> like, we, he's we a hate period, him the least. right? He's yeah. a period. I'm going to marry him. I'm going to force him to shave his soul patch off, and then he's going to lose all right? his power. So, <laughs> that's what all of take power. care of him. Controversial. I'm going to hate fuck big bitch. I'm going to hate fuck big bitch. Because after this chapter, I cannot. Yax is gonna. Yes, we want Umbridge to die. But at the very least, she is a plot device still. Yaxley is just a fucking asshole. Murder him. Ding, ding, ding. Are Same you... answers. Oh my god. Same answers. Also, Yaxley is a death eater. Well, yes. Murder the too. fuck out that's of that fucker. Well. Like... So when we have a hate threesome with Umbridge, what do you want? Do you want her mouth or do you want her puss? We're just going to tie her up and throw her in a closet. So it starts off okay. I would honestly say the entire stretch of these two chapters, and obviously we'll talk about more of what happens in the next chapter. Because we don't episode. get much of this chapter. No. I'm pretty happy with The things that they do change... So They're I, the second chapter is the it's, problem. It, it's mostly the second chapter. For the first chapter. chapter shows... We don't get anything else at Grimmauld Place. No. So I'm sad to not have that. We see this like fun little like stoogey thing of the three of them knocking everyone out and like poking their head around so buildings and shit. That's like one of the biggest changes to yeah. me is that they knock them all out. There's no skydiving snack box. Yeah. And then they leave I don't the know if and I... have a little cuddle party. They have a little cuddle party against the bins. Yeah. I don't know if I like it as much. I mean, we don't see that they did all this planning. So no, there is that. it's literally just like, oh, now we're going to the Ministry of Magic. Let's go. But I like that they selected Hopkirk and Catamall. Here it just seems, for all we know, it is completely fucking completely random. Completely fucking random. We talked about it a little earlier too. Like I do like the three actors playing the teenagers. Yeah, you were very astute at seeing how they were walking. The way it's described in the book is that Rancourn is much. Taller mm. and they and describe he's yeah and then he's beardy and has curly hairs. They describe Reg as being kind of like small and squirrely or whatever. The actor who's playing Reg is definitely not small and squirrely because they're yeah, the, he's a little squirrely. He's a little squirrely, but he's not small. And they're I, about the same size. I was gonna say maybe it's because that's so different from the book, but I feel like Alfred Rancorn is smaller feeling to me. I don't know why. He does. Albert does not feel as powerful or scary in the movie. Yeah, the characterization, I think, for Runcorn in particular is a little disappointing to me. The other two, I don't know why it just fit better. They don't do enough development for Runcorn to be a big, powerful, like, mostly it's kind of a joke. They kind of, like, play him off like yeah. he's awkward. Yeah. He's I... awkward, but not in the same way Reg is awkward. Because Reg is supposed to be awkward. Yeah, and actually, if you watch it, Albert Runcorn does not really say a word to anybody other than Hermione and Ron. They, yeah. He doesn't even say anything. At the very least, Ron as Reg says the thing about the umbrella to Yaxley, which we loved. It was a <laughs> which dumb we were thing like, to we're say, like, but this I is dumb, like it. But still funny. And then he says some stuff, obviously, to Mary Catterville later. And there's something else... I think he says to somebody, I, I yeah. can't remember what it is. Oh, morning. 
which uh, some of those details like yeah. that and some of the details that we'll talk about in the next episode too it's very very like true to the book yeah overall i think especially this chapter i'm pleased yeah. with this chapter my biggest issue is that they changed the scouting snack boxes thing but if they're going to cut the planning then it's fine and I'm bummed to not have any more time at from old place because yay creature, but yay creature, not necessary at I all. I think we got what we needed from Grimble Place, and Grimble Place now actually feels more like a comforting place to be. And we'll never see it again, so you know. Too bad. Plus twenty to Harry for sticking up for himself, for kind of like pushing everybody to like go and do it on this day, but also. I'm giving Ron and Hermione 15 points because they also did planning and did all of this. But, I mean, here's the leader in this. You really get that sense up front and the fact that he sticks up for himself. 10 to Creature. So 10 more towards that redemption. And especially after seeing him, like, there's no way he's not going to get points later. You go, Creatures. You go, Creature. I do not completely remember this redemption going the way that it did. So very, very, very cool to see that. And I'm also giving five points to Dirk Cresswell. Mathilda Hopkirk, because that's her name, even though I wrote down Mathilda, Mafalda, whatever. Mathilda's her name. And then Reg Cattermole. I'm giving five points to all of them. Fuck Albert Rancorn. Yeah, that guy sucks. Even though he was knocked out, I don't give a nope. I'm not giving that motherfucker point. No, fuck that guy. And then most importantly, negative 15 from Yaxley. He's the only person I take anything from, even though we do see a little bit of big bitch here. Yaxley is... The worst in this chapter by far. So I hate that guy. Yeah, and Fuck you him. Know, we didn't even talk about it in the movie, but like you can see how scary he is. And oh, that's the, the other thing. Yeah, that we'll said. talk about him more next chapter. We will. The other thing that happens in this chapter, though, is he doesn't say mudblood. And so even Bill Nye the Science Guy, rest in peace, he came to mind when watching the movie because I'm like, oh, like they don't make him as much of an asshole. He's still an asshole, but. Right. Next time we'll continue seeing assholes in chapter 13, <laughs> Muggleborn Registration Committee. The Muggleborn yes. Registration Committee. Till then, I want to drink this wine. Wait, no. Let me unzip my fly. I'm going to pee in your glass. Okay. Okay, go ahead. My penis is made of brown <laughs> oh that clinked God. against your glass. <laughs> Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to rate us five stars on your listening app of choice and share us with all your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Yes. Join our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram. I never update Twitter, but we have that. We do. Also email basicsnitches at gmail.com. We also now have a website, basicsnitches.com. And a Patreon, patreon.com slash basicsnitches. Join today and get exclusive content every week and be acknowledged in every single one of our episodes. Taryn Telegra, dance bitch. I see you new friends who don't make me dance for nothing. Yeah, they ain't gonna come, honey. We out!